Well, good morning, everyone. Um, welcome to our next uh, instalment in the book of Exodus. Uh, we're going to be looking at chapters 7 to 10, uh, which uh, is the plague narrative. Uh, now, sometimes the, the Bible can feel like an alien book, can't it? There are some things in the Bible which we find hard to accept, hard to understand. Uh, and you basically have three options, don't you? Well, firstly, you can reject. You can just say, well, I'm not having that. I don't like it. It's not part of my Bible. But of course, if you're a Christian, that's not really an option. Um, all scripture is inspired. You know, we, we have to accept all of it or none of it. Uh, so a second option might be to reinterpret, uh, perhaps to look for symbolic meanings, just to try and kind of wriggle out from uh, what it's actually saying. But again, that, that's not an option for us. Um, the, the, the Bible is history. These things happened. Um, we, we have to accept the, the, the whole of Scripture. The, the only real option, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, is, uh, in the words of the Apostle James, to humbly accept the word. And so... Uh, we come with that attitude uh, of humility before God, uh, seeking to understand what it's saying to us uh, within the Bible's overall story. Um, and, and that means we've got to be ready to draw out theological principles. And we'll come to that later because I hope to do three things. Firstly, just a very brief summary uh, of um, the actual narrative. Uh, then I want to draw out some of the theological principles and then thirdly, see if there are some practical lessons from this section. Now, I'm going to refer to the, the ten plagues as the ten signs. Now, although three of them are actually described as plagues, uh, together they are signs. They are signs and wonders. Um, and the purpose of them is, is to rescue Israel. It says in uh, chapter 7, verse 3, uh, God says to Moses, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders, there it is, in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. So the purpose of these, these ten signs then is to rescue Israel, but also to educate Egypt, to teach Egypt who the Lord is. Uh, they're not designed to destroy Egypt. Um, they are educative because God's ultimate purpose is to bless the nations, not to destroy them. The problem is Pharaoh. Pharaoh thought he was a god um, and he needed to learn that the Lord alone is God and that Israel uh, belonged to him. Uh, so, at the end of each um, narrative, of e each um, sign, uh, there's a reference to Pharaoh's heart, the state of his heart. Now, that's not got anything to do with his uh, medical condition, nor is it talking about his sort of emotional levels of compassion or empathy. No, when it talks about a hard heart, it's really talking about his stubborn will a will that is unyielding and resolute. That's what a hard heart means. It's about a stubborn will, not a lack of empathy. Um, 
So we have the, uh, the, the, the ten signs. The first one is the blood. Uh, the river Nile turns to blood. Uh, and interestingly, Pharaoh's magicians can replicate it. They also produce the same uh, sign. Um, and then you have the frogs. Again, that is replicated. Um, Pharaoh appears to uh, be willing to negotiate. Uh, but as soon as uh, the uh, the frogs are taken away, uh, it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Uh, chapter eight, verse uh, fifteen. And Pharaoh saw that there was relief. He hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. And then uh, the plague of gnats. This time, there's no replication. Uh, Pharaoh's uh, magicians cannot reproduce it instead they recognize that god is at work says 818 when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts they could not since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere the magician said to pharaoh this is the finger of god but pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen just as the lord had said then we have the second cycle um they come in three groups of three and then the final sign uh, so the fourth sign is the flies this time there's a distinction um, God makes a distinction between Israel and Egypt uh, 8.22 on that day I will deal differently with the land of Goshen where my people live no swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I the Lord am in this land I will make a distinction between my people and your people this sign will occur tomorrow uh, Pharaoh throughout uh, the signs Pharaoh yeah, is drawn to the negotiating table uh, appears to want to talk uh, but he's always putting conditions on it uh, moving the goalposts uh, and changing his mind uh, but the result is always the same at the end Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go same thing with the livestock um, Pharaoh is unchanged. Chapter nine, verse seven. Found not one of the Israel. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died yet. His heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. Same with uh, the the uh, the sign of the boils. By this stage, the magicians are in awe. Um, <clears throat> it says they could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them and all the Egyptians. But now, interestingly, for the first time, it says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. Up until this point, Moses, sorry, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Uh, now it says the Lord hardened his heart. Now, we've got to be clear here that um, all God is doing here is confirming and strengthening Pharaoh's original convictions he's not forcing pharaoh uh, into something that he doesn't want to do uh, god doesn't do that he doesn't force us to act against our will and desires he gives us what we want uh, he respects the human will um, so yes although god hardens pharaoh's heart it's a heart that has already been hardened by his own choices God confirms our choices. <clears throat> and then uh, the third cycle begins. Um, 
with the uh, hailstorm. By this stage, some of the Egyptians are starting to believe. They can see what's going on. Uh, chapter 9, verse 20. Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. But those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. So that the, the hailstorm comes. Um, and again, Pharaoh comes back to the table. Uh, Moses uh, prays that the hailstorm will be lifted. Uh, but the result is very predictable. Verse 34, when Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. Then uh, the eighth sign is the locusts. Um, by this stage, some of Pharaoh's officials have had enough. Verse 10, verse 7, Pharaoh's officials said to him, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Do you not yet realise that Egypt is ruined? But Pharaoh is still playing his games. He's still moving the goalposts. Uh, he says, um, yeah, some of you can go, uh, just the men, but the women and children have to stay. Moses says, no, that's unacceptable. The locusts are unleashed. The land is devastated. Um, but does Pharaoh soften his heart? Not at all. Um, <clears throat> verse 20, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let the Israelites go. Then the ninth sign is the darkness. There's no prior announcement. Uh, this time Pharaoh says, OK, you can go, but no livestock. You've got to leave all the animals behind. Moses says, no, not a hoof is to be left behind. And guess what? Pharaoh's heart is still unyielding. So in 1027, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he was was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. And all that is a prelude to the 10th and final sign, the death of the firstborn. But that really belongs with the Passover narrative. So we're going to save that one for next time. So what then are the theological truths that we need to pick out or take from uh, the, the ten signs, the plague narrative? I think the key thing is the purpose of these signs is revelatory. They're there to teach us things about God. In fact, the whole book of Exodus does that. It's teaching about God. So in chapter two, uh, God hears the cry of his people. In chapter three, we learn that he's a holy God and he's a speaking God. Uh, in chapter six, he's a God who is faithful to his covenant promises. And now in these chapters, uh, the ten signs revealed to Israel and to Egypt more details about who the Lord is. They're just building up a, a fuller picture of who Yahweh is. So there are four things here about God. Firstly, he's the one true God. He's the God of the whole earth. Now, the ancient world was pluralistic. That is, they believed in many gods. Um, every sort of region, area <coughs> had its own local deities. <clears throat> uh, 
And so what what the Lord is doing here is he's showing his superiority over these uh, ancient gods, <coughs> over the gods of Egypt. It says in Numbers 33, 4, that God was judging uh, the gods of Egypt. So the river god was powerless. Instead of a source of life, uh, the river brought death. Uh, the sky goddess couldn't prevent uh, the hailstorm or counter the east wind, which brought the locusts. The sun god failed to rise in the morning as darkness covered the land. So here is God showing that he is God of the whole earth. Uh, and, and if you follow that line through the rest of the Bible into the New Testament, uh, you have Jesus as the incarnation of the one true God, saying in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You have the apostles preaching in Acts 4, 12. There is no other name under heaven given to people by which we may be saved. And then Paul writing in Philippians 2, um, that Jesus has the name that is above every name. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There is only one God and he is the God of the whole earth. Secondly, um, the 10 signs teach us that the Lord is the mighty creator. Psalm 24 verse 1 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So here, here we see a God who commands nature to do his bidding. He brings frogs out of the water. Uh, he brings gnats from the dust of the ground. He brings flies from the air. The same God who said, let there be light, is capable of extinguishing light and sending darkness on the land. What, what is happening in through the 10 signs then is, it's almost this creation is going into reverse gear and returning to the darkness and chaos at the beginning. This is this is the Lord who, who is in control, who is sovereign over nature, over the created world, because he is the mighty creator. <clears throat> Thirdly, we learn that he is the holy judge. Now, we need to understand judgment as the, the removal or withdrawal of life and blessing. So the question then is, why does God judge Egypt? And after Egypt, Canaan and, you know, numerous other uh, people groups. But there, there are two reasons why, why God judges um, the nations. Firstly, it's because of idolatry, because they worship false gods. But secondly, because of injustice, because they're cruel and oppressive and tyrannical. God judges the tyrant. He brings down the oppressor. We need to remember that Pharaoh was a monster. Back in chapter one, it was Pharaoh who ordered the death of uh, the, the newborn babies. We see that God is against slavery and oppression. And Egypt's defeat is Israel's liberation. We need to see salvation and judgment as two sides of the same coin, really. Because evil doesn't negotiate. Evil has to be destroyed. If there's to be redemption, then uh, evil must be defeated. Again, it's a principle that flows through the Bible and uh, you can follow it right through to the Gospels. 
where Jesus says, I have to bind up the strong man uh, and defeat the devil so that rescue and liberation and forgiveness and salvation can come. Um, and Satan is defeated at the cross. Only then can there be liberation. And again, looking to the end, uh, into the book of Revelation, you know, people often say, well, good wins out in the end. I've got news for you. It doesn't. Jesus comes back. That's what happens. Good doesn't win. Evil wins. And then Jesus comes back. Um, and he destroys evil. Uh, there cannot be a new world unless the old world is destroyed. There, there is no liberation without judgment. God is the holy judge. And then uh, the fourth thing is that God is the gracious saviour. Yes, God saved his people. He brings Israel uh, out of Egypt. But what about Egypt? Well, I want to say God was merciful to Egypt too. That's why there are 10 signs. God could have done it in one go. But no, uh, he gave them time to observe, to learn, to respond. And, and we see that in the reaction of Pharaoh's officials. And uh, in chapter 12, verse 38, it says others left uh, Egypt with the Israelites. Some Egyptians left as well. You know, they came to believe in uh, the Lord God and Pharaoh had plenty of opportunity to change uh, and it shows that God is patient in judgment he's slow to anger uh, his heart is to save he wants to rescue but ultimately if people reject then he takes them at their word and judgment falls so I think those are the things we need to learn about, about God. The, the, the ten signs are educative. They show that God is the one true God, the God of the whole earth. He's the mighty creator. He's the holy judge. And he's the gracious saviour. So is there any practical relevance uh, to uh, what we've been thinking about today? I think the two things. Firstly, at the, the level of belief. Um, now is we need to ask this question is the god i believe in the god revealed in the bible uh, we all want and love the idea of god the compassionate savior who's merciful to me a sinner thank god uh, that he is that kind of god but he's other things as well he's the sovereign creator and he's the holy judge uh, and so we need to make sure the god we believe in is that god the full orbed God of the Bible. It's the same thing with Jesus. Um, we all love baby Jesus in the manger. We love Jesus, the healer. We love Jesus, the wise teacher. We love Jesus, the friend of sinners. We love Jesus, the crucified one in weakness. But remember, he's also the returning king of kings and lord of lords. Psalm 2 says, uh, kiss the son Submit to him or you will be destroyed. Uh, and Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9, talks about Jesus when he returns and is revealed from heaven in blazing fire 
with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified. Do you believe in that, Jesus? So this passage sort of challenges our belief system, our theology, our beliefs about God. But then uh, the final thing I want to say is uh, beware of the hard heart. Here's a practical lesson. Beware the hard heart, because Pharaoh, although in one sense he's a kind of antichrist, he's also every man. He's every man who sets himself up as ruler. Um, it's the attitude that says, I'm the king of my life. No one tells me what to do. Encapsulated in the old hymn, I am the captain of my soul. I am the master of my fate. Pretty good definition of sin, really. See, there is a, a Pharaoh spirit. There's, a, there's that stubborn will that says, I am going to resist. I'm not going to let God uh, rule over me. And, you know, even even for Christians, there can be that that attitude. that God's not going to have this part of me or I'm not going to submit fully uh, to, to God. And there's there are frequent warnings in the Bible about the danger of a hard heart. So I just want to finish with these words from if, um, Hebrews chapter three, verses 12 and 13. <clears throat> so see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Sin is deceitful. Um, it will always look attractive. But the more we allow sin to rule in our lives, the harder our hearts will become. And one day we may find, like Pharaoh, that it's too late. So that's why this warning is given. See to it, the writer says, see to it that um, you don't turn away from the, from the living God through unbelief. Encourage one another daily so that you won't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And hold on to the gospel. Hold your original convictions firmly to the end. And... The key to it <clears throat> um, comes a bit later, actually, in the end of chapter four, towards the end of chapter four, where the writer says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So here, the answer to the hard heart is allow the word of God to uh, cut your heart open, to uh, soften your heart, 
that's the key. The word of God is alive and active. Let God's word do its work in your life. Soften your heart before him. Don't end up like Pharaoh. Well, that's where I must finish. My time has gone. Uh, maybe some hard truths, some hard lessons. Maybe we need to take some time to pray uh, before the Lord <clears throat> and ask for his help. But thanks for listening. My voice is gone. Bye.